as the old saying goes, let her rip, tater chip. We've got another edition of Midday on the way to you on the Rural Radio Network. And I am so excited because, once again, we get to play Where's Susan today? It's a close relative of Where's Waldo, except it involves Susan Littlefield, our illustrious Ag News Director. Well, I am sitting in a college campus with 220 of my closest high school friends. Wow, and you could be almost, anyway, college campus. I'm going to say, well, it could be Nebraska system, could be an independent, could be Central Community College. Uh, yep. Okay, we're getting it. close here. Uh, yep, you, Central Community College, Columbus. Okay, and what are you doing up there today, Susan? University of Nebraska, Lincoln, and their extension system does this thing called Connecting the Dots Statewide, and it ties kids in with careers and education, and so I get to talk about arts, AV, technology, and communication. Ooh, that sounds like it's right up your alley. Yeah. <laughs> Even met a kid that wants to be a radio engineer. Really? Yeah. I, I want to meet this person. That's a person after my own heart. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, good. That'll be that'll be interesting. It's it's great to see uh, kids interested in media, and boy, it's an ever expanding uh, realm. And uh, Susan, you've been exposed to just about every angle of that. So uh, yeah, that'll be an interesting talk. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, some things that we got coming up today, of course, Dean Hafta will join us with Water Street Solutions at twelve nineteen. Then taking place um, at 1245, the Senate Ag Committee yesterday held a hearing on food safety, and the president of Kansas State University was one to testify about what is being done, what needs to be done to continue to protect our food supply right here. It's kind of scary some of the information they were sharing amongst those that were were speaking and the issues that they see when it comes to food safety Mm. and that coming from terroristic threats, that kind of stuff, and what we need to do. Then at 117, the doors are opened on a brand-new hog facility near Shelton. The pigs aren't there, but the people were yesterday for a great open house. We'll get more about that from Shaley Peters. All right. We've already heard spotlights and OTRs from the rest of the team. Chad's out there. Bryce is out there. We'll listen for it all here on Midday. Thanks, Susan. Thank you. And we've got Jason Jorgensen on sports. Figures to be a ton of red in Kansas City tonight. Match is sold out as the Huskers get set to take on Penn State in the national semifinals. Of course, a long history has been between these two programs. Even before Nebraska even joined the Big Ten, the Huskers would duel with Penn State from time to time. And especially this year, this is about as close as a rivalry gets. It is. Nebraska was the only team to beat Penn State back in late September. Coming up, we'll get the thoughts of head coach John Cook. Huskers and Nittany Lions will play in about five and a half hours, or about six and a half hours from right now. I was coming up uh, some very good recruiting news for new Nebraska head coach Scott Frost. He may have nailed down his quarterback of the future. Big recruit last night, big commitment, four-star recruit, a guy who looks like he could run Frost's uh, spread option offense. He's a he's multitasking these yes. days, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, that it? Very that good. Is Thanks it. very much. Yeah, well, that's that's plenty. Thank you. Bob Brogan has business. Wall Street's in the positive. Uh, applications for U.S. jobless aid drops by 11,000 to 225,000. Disney's going to buy 21st Century Fox. AAA predicts record travel over Christmas and New Year's. So those are. Just a few things going on. All right. Thanks very much. And we invite you to stay with us for today's Midday. 
Time to bring in Paul Perkins as we look at our ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. It looks like it, everybody else from the upper Midwest all the way to New England is getting the winter that we are used to at this time. Yeah, yeah a lot more typical weather for today oh, across the area. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, here uh, we go and find out where this precipitation is and where it's going. Will it amount to anything? You bet not the not a whole lot, just some light rain and snow moving through the area this uh, morning and down into the afternoon. You may be seeing some snow, but most likely it's melting on contact unless you're in far northern Nebraska where it's accumulating accumulating a little in grassy areas. Otherwise we do have that light rain and snow moving through central Nebraska for the most part. From about Broken Bow up to Ainsworth and Dunning. Also in central Nebraska from about Loop City on into the Tri-City area on over to York down to Superior. Then it's very scattered in west central areas of Nebraska towards Stapleton, Lexington, back towards North Platte and Ogallala. Just some scattered light rain and some sprinkles. Not going to amount to a whole lot thanks to a front moving through. Some cloudy, windy and cooler conditions today. Another cold front dropping south today. A little more moisture with this system, giving us those scattered rain and snow showers across the area. Winds with this system gusting up to 40 as we head into the afternoon. Looks like our strongest winds will be to the west of Highway 281. And Highway 281, of course, the highway that goes through O'Neill down to Grand Island, Hastings, and uh, down into about the Smith Center area. And then points to the west is where we're seeing these stronger winds. We will see high pressure build from the west tonight. That'll clear out our skies and give us some sunshine for tomorrow on into Saturday. Some mild temperatures returning with some lighter west winds. Fire weather concerns tomorrow up near critical levels, especially the farther south and west you go. Cooler air arrives for Saturday night into Sunday. Another front moving through. Could see some light snow with that, especially if it's about towards early Sunday. Looks like our best chances of seeing any light snow with that system towards northwest areas, but not going to amount to a whole lot. High pressure and some southwest winds will warm those temperatures back up to mild levels for early next week. Then looking at the potential of some true December cold by Friday and Saturday of next week. Stay tuned. We will keep you posted. That cold is reflected in the long-term forecast. The Nebraska and Kansas temperature forecast starts warm in the normal the middle of next week. And temperatures are expected to trend colder than normal late next week on into December 27th. And the precipitation forecast looking at near-normal precipitation in the middle of next week in Nebraska and Kansas. Then a more active period of above-normal precipitation for late next week through the 27th. Maybe some travel problems um, with some systems moving through late next week on into Christmas weekend. Uh, something to take note of. Today's drought monitor shows nearly all of Nebraska now experiencing abnormal dryness. The southern panhandle with moderate drought, the only drought-free area of Nebraska, is near the eastern Nebraska panhandle. All of Kansas is at least abnormally dry. Moderate to severe drought covers the south central. So drought coverage continuing to expand. Weather, far, weather factors in the markets today include promising rain chances in Argentina and a better prospect for rain in southern Brazil. Fast-moving disturbances will maintain the unsettled weather in the northern U.S. with periods of snow over the next several days. Dry weather should prevail into early next week in the central and southern high plains. Over the weekend, rain will overspread the southeast. Some mild air currently covering a lot of the western and central U.S. will gradually spread into the east. The latest drought monitor shows drought conditions building in the southern plains with almost the entire southern plains in some phase of drought. Dry and warm weather expected to continue the next week to 10 days to further stress the wheat crop, especially since it's not going to be going into dormancy anytime soon. There is a good chance for needed rain 
in central Argentina in the next five days. Central Brazil's mild temperatures and periodic rain will continue for favorable crop development. The next five days in southern Brazil also looking at some chances of beneficial rain. Ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. And uh, so what you're saying is that if we can get through this weekend, by a week from now, it could be beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Yes, especially it looks like it's going to kind of time out with the first day of winter arriving. What is it? I think on the 22nd, which would be on Friday. And it's going to kind of time out perfectly that it turns colder than normal. All right. Well, we'll look forward to finally getting a little something that looks... A little more like festivities. <laughs> so maybe people wishing for a white Christmas, they may get their they wish. Get that, which isn't all of us, but you know. <laughs> and me neither. It's yeah. not me, I know that. <laughs> and when you need weather anytime. KRVN.com. has opened its doors in central Nebraska. I'm Shaley Peters with a midday check of your ag news here on the Rural Radio Network. Simon Wagner of 4R4K LLC held an open house yesterday to celebrate his partnership with the Mashoffs and invite people to come check out what a brand new pig barn has to offer. He says they were looking to diversify and talks about the potential of the new facility. It's uh, 81 feet wide. It's 225 feet long. The pit below us is eight feet deep. It'll hold a million gallons of fertilizer. So we can fertilize 200 acres out of this barn every year. When we get pigs, we're gonna start next Thursday. When we get full, we'll have 5,700 weanling pigs that are 18 to 21 days old, maybe around seven pounds is what they like. We will grow all those weanlings for about 10 to 12 weeks. And when they get to a feeder size of 60 to 70 pounds, then we will ship out the overload of around 3,200 pigs. He explains exactly what 4R4K stands for. The name for our barn is 4R4K. It's a limited liability company. And that is because we have four children. So it's 4R4 kids is why I put it up. I wanted to make sure the kids could always come back to the farm if the kids want to come back after college. Just another door that we kicked open for them. Wagner and his wife operate near Shelton, Nebraska. And training dates are set for Nebraska's commercial and non-commercial pesticide applicators seeking first-time certification or recertification of their license to use or purchase restricted-use pesticides in 2018. The statewide training is coordinated through the Nebraska Extension Pesticide Safety Education Program, or PSCP. Again this year, the training is offered at a variety of locations from January through April, said Clyde Ogg, Nebraska Extension Pesticide Safety Educator. Commercial and non-commercial applicators whose certifications expire in April are to be mailed a schedule booklet showing certification information and dates. In 2018, approximately 3,000 commercial and non-commercial applicators will need to be recertified. They include fumigators, ornamental and turf applicators, exterminators, and others. Separate training opportunities will be held for Dicampa products, Extendamax, Fexapan, and Ingenia, now classified as RUPs. Information related to that training is to be available in early 2018. And members of the U.S. Grains Council, U.S. Soybean Export Council, U.S. Wheat Associates, USA Rice, the National Corn Growers, the National Sorghum Producers, and the National Barley Growers Association welcomed a joint statement issued this week from 17 countries participating in the 11th Ministerial Conference of the World Trade Organization in Buenos Aires, Argentina, emphasizing the importance of supporting farmer access 
access to the full range of tools and technologies available and opposing regulatory barriers lacking sufficient scientific justification. Having in mind the importance of transparency and predictability to international trade, we call on all members to strengthen the implementation of the WTO sanitary and phytosanitary agreement by reinforcing the work of relevant international standards, organizations, and ensuring the scientific basis of SPS measures is sound, the statement reads. The statement demonstrates global support for all farmers and the tools and innovations they need to protect their crops from devastating diseases and destructive pests while delivering safe food sustainability to the world's consumers. The signatories take a step forward in calling out countries that undermine farmer choice through regulatory barriers that are not scientifically justified. And that's a quick check of your Midday Ag News. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. It's Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, two old rivals collide tonight in the NCAA National Volleyball Semifinals as the Huskers face off against Penn State. Head coach John Cook says it's always a big deal when the Huskers face the Nittany Lions. I've had a lot of epic matches. I've been having a lot of flashbacks to several years, 2008, 2011, last year. And, uh, of course, our match with them this year at Penn State. So it's, uh, I think, the most exciting rivalries, if you want to call it that, in college volleyball. It's, they're a lot of fun to play, and I think uh, both teams bring out the best in each other. The Huskers handed the Nittany Lions their only loss this season on September 22nd in University Park. Nebraska also eliminated Penn State from last year's NCAA tournament with that dramatic come-from-behind victory in the regional semifinal. Tonight's match is scheduled to start at 6 central time. Hastings College senior setter Kitty Plocky has been named the Academic All-American for the Year for college volleyball at the NAIA level. Plocky was a setter for the Broncos, helping them to three consecutive trips to the NAIA National Championship Tournament. In those trips to the National Tournament, Hastings advanced to the single elimination round and won the 2016 National title. The four-time All-GPAC Conference selection is a human resources management major from Grand Island. Nebraska head coach Scott Frost may have found his quarterback of the future as Fresno QB Adrian Martinez announced his commitment to the Big Red last night on social media. Martinez was a first quarterback target for Frost since he became coach. Now, he had been committed to Tennessee but visited the Huskers last weekend. He's rated as the eighth best dual threat quarterback in the country by Rivals.com. This win is a big one for Nebraska who gets a quarterback comfortable with Frost's spread offense. Martinez will sign during the early signing period next week and enroll in Nebraska in January. NFL action tonight. It's Denver, Indianapolis. Denver's looking for back-to-back wins for the first time since the start of this season. Elsewhere in the NFL, a spokesman says Commissioner Roger Goodell views the agreement reached on an extension last week as his final contract overseeing the league. Spokesman Joe Lockhart says Goodell has been clear that he views this as his last contract and that will allow him to, quote, deal with some of the important issues that we know are on the horizon. That includes a new labor deal and TV contracts. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More middays just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Decreasing clouds tonight to Nebraska. Lows around 25. I'm Dave Schroeder. Officials say a Lincoln High School basketball coach and faculty member has been arrested on suspicion of first-degree sexual assault of a student. 33-year-old Marcus Perry, an in-school suspension technician and coach to the Lynx varsity girls basketball team, was arrested today. 
Perry is accused of assaulting a student in an in-school suspension room. Principal Mark Larson says in a written statement that the incident did not involve a member of the basketball team. Officials say Perry, a former Nebraska basketball player, joined the high school staff in early 2016. He was named the girls' basketball coach that summer. Farmers in Alabama and Nebraska have joined the Nebraska-based Fair Trade Group to sue the U.S. Department of Agriculture over the agency's cancellation of rules that would have made it easier for farmers to demand better treatment when contracting with meatpacking companies. A lawsuit filed in the 8th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals seeks to reverse the October USDA decision vacating the rules. The rules would have made it easier for farmers to sue over contracts deemed unfair, discriminatory, or deceptive. They were proposed during President Barack Obama's administration and canceled after Donald Trump took office. Nonprofit-based legal group Democracy Forward sued on behalf of Lincoln-based organizations for competitive markets. The Nebraska farmer James Dinklage and Alabama farm couple Jonathan and Connie Buttram. The city of Hastings has sworn in its new chief of police. Dozens of people turned out to see Chief Adam Story take oath of office. Last month, the city council voted unanimously to hire Story as police chief to replace Pete Cordham, who is retiring and plans to move to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Story has been with the Hastings Police Department for 22 years and was in the running for the top job five years ago when Cordham was hired. Story says the last five years have given him the opportunity to grow and prepare for the position of police chief. U.S. consumers went on a shopping binge last month, led by big gains among online retailers, electronic stores, and furniture stores. The Commerce Department says sales at retailers and restaurants jumped 0.8% in November from the previous month after a 0.5% gain in October. Our app puts regional, ag, national, and area news just one click away, anytime. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Defense experts told the Senate Ag Committee a message the panel had heard before. The U.S. is ill-prepared for an international or natural disaster outbreak that could devastate the nation's food supply. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It's been over a decade since the Senate Ag Committee held a hearing on agricultural security, but concerns over the issue has only grown. During his opening statements, Chairman of the Senate Ag Committee, Pat Roberts of Kansas... Further, today's hearing is an opportunity to take stock in where we have come since the early 2000s when the issue of agriculture security was first visited and discussed where we need to go from here. The Agriculture Committee last held a hearing on this subject over a decade ago. But since that time, the significance of this issue has only grown. Today, we will commit to the record updated information regarding agriculture security. We will begin to examine any needed changes in this arena and continue work on these evolving challenges. There are several key questions for us to explore. What does risk management look like in this sector? Where are resources most appropriately directed? How should a multi-jurisdictional system best function? Before us today is an esteemed panel of experts and public servants who have dedicated much of their careers to protecting agriculture and the country from biological threats. Of security and food research continues at Kansas State University. 
General Richard Myers is president of Kansas State University. He testified before the Senate Ag Committee about work being done through the university. The majority of research um, is conducted at the BRI by the K-State faculty, staff, and students, but collaborators from the USDA's Center for Grain and Animal Health Research in Manhattan participate on some of the NBAF-related foreign animal disease projects. Moreover, this, this Center for Grain and Animal Health USDA Center, USDA Center conducts other USDA BAL, BSL Level 3 Ag Biocontainment Research in the BRI as well. Going forward, federal support is needed for research and development on Rift Valley fever, Japanese encephalitis, classical swine fever, and African swine fever to help mitigate these threats to animal health and to public health. So, a proposed path going forward and the things that I'd, I'd focus on. K-State believes that statutory authorization of the key provisions of HSPD-9 with clearly delineated and enforceable accountability along with the appropriation of funds to support the key provisions is required to safeguard American agriculture in a globalized world. I'll only touch on the first five of the 13 recommendations that, that are in my written testimony. Um, number one is, and consistent with the HSPD, enhance intelligence operations and analysis capabilities, awareness and warning are essential. But today, there are insufficient number of bioagri-defense subject matter experts, veterinarians, animal scientists, crop scientists, plant pathologists, etc., with security clearances to assess classified intelligence. It's vital to increase the number of food crop, food animal, food safety, subject matter experts with high-level security clearances, TSSCI, to monitor global threats. Also increase the number of sensitive compartmented information facilities, or SCIFs, with secure communications and agriculture and food subject matter expert analysts and or cleared SME advisors with top secret SCI clearances. Also important to increase the number of USDA's uh, subject matter experts with security clearances. Discussions in 2016 with USDA's chief scientist and a USDA intelligent uh, intelligence analysts confirm their frustration with inability to convey critical classified information with USDA to make it actionable. And then it's also important, I think, to increase state intelligence fusion centers with agricultural and food subject matter experts with clearances, with security clearances. The Kansas Intelligence Fusion Center appears to be the only fusion center of over 70 nationwide that has a bio-threat team with TSSEI cleared subject matter experts capable of assessing the full range of biohazards to food crops, food animals, and food supply, and people. These include a doctor of veterinary medicine, three PhD scientists and researchers from Kansas State, medical doctors from the University of Kansas Medical Center, and subject matter experts from multiple state agencies. This permits the Kansas Fusion Center to assess global intelligence for the purpose of preventing bioterrorism and preparing natural infectious disease events uh, from emerging uh, that are emerging global um, and coming to the United States. So what the, the Kansas Intelligence Fusion Center really focuses on is, is, is left of the event. We like to prevent the event, not, not just react. We're always going to have to be able to react, but uh, they really work on, on, um, on preventing. So if you have that in intelligence, if you have the right intelligence, then you can do vulner vulnerability assessments, mitigation strategies, and response planning and recovery. Without it, you can't, you can't take those steps that are outlined in the NSPD. Uh, under um, emerging foreign animal diseases, 
um, exploit awareness and warning intelligence regarding newly emerging bio threats to establish mitigating stra mitigation strategies at USDA's uh, Center for Grain and Animal Health Research and K-State prior to NBAF becoming operational and fund R&D to, to confront these threats. We can't wait for the NBAF to come online. With General Myers, I'm Susan Littlefield, Liberal Radio Network. Let's get a review of today's livestock futures trade from Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe. Yeah, kind of a choppy trade today in the uh, cattle. Uh, up, down, up, down, back and forth and finishing uh, mixed in the live cattle. And a little bit higher in the feeders. Uh, uh, came out of the uh, uh, opening and uh, moved higher and then uh, fell back for a minute and then uh, rallied to... Uh, to the highs, oh, in the, about the noontime area, and then uh, fell back here once again uh, in the uh, closing uh, time, and uh, but still managed to finish a little bit higher. Uh, basically, uh, what's traded, which hasn't been very much that I've heard in the cash, was maybe uh, steady, more steady than uh, was anticipated, and uh, that created a uh, pretty good short covering uh, but uh, it all fell apart uh, going into the end of the day cutouts uh, a little bit higher uh, at noon but uh, nothing uh, of any consequence uh, so we finish up mixed feeders uh, uh, a little bit higher but uh, same thing there after uh, rallying through uh, most of the day kind of settled back uh, going into the close but still managed a higher close over in the hogs uh, Higher uh, cash seemed to be steady higher, and uh, came back re in pretty good response to uh, the uh, sharply uh, uh, lower uh, cutouts last night. Uh, came back and had a little bit better uh, cutouts at noon, but uh, hogs still finished mixed contract. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal can be reached at. Great Plains Commodities. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network. Has opened its doors in central Nebraska. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network, and I've got Simon Wagner here with me of 4R4K LLC. Simon, you guys farm successfully already here near Shelton, Nebraska, but you have decided to partner with the Mashoffs. Go into why you made this decision just to start here. Talking to my banker a year ago, I said, you know, we got to figure something out. These inputs are through the roof corn is the other direction soybeans are the other direction um i said i have an idea he said i can lower my fertilizer costs on the farm and he said well what's that and i said let's put up a pig barn and he said okay let's get started and so we started paperwork and talking from there and there was a lot of stuff to do, but now we're here today. So Now, I mentioned the fact that you guys already farm here in central Nebraska, so you are diversifying. Have you dealt with livestock before, or is this your first time diving into anything other than your crops? We run a cow-calf operation also, and yeah, row crops. I have dabbled with pigs in the, in the past, nothing like this, but... And when I say dabble, just a couple hundred at a time. So we're not new to livestock side of things. You hit it. I love diversification. And this is another way for the farm to be diversified when 
Uh, the row crops aren't making much. Hopefully the pig barn's going to pull us through. So talk to us more about this facility. Obviously, it's not your old school pig barn with dirt floors. This thing has tons of technology in it. The facility, it's uh, 81 feet wide. It's 225 feet long. The pit below us is eight feet deep. It'll hold a million gallons of fertilizer. So we can fertilize 200 acres out of this barn every year. When we get pigs, we're gonna start next Thursday getting our first fill going. When we get full, we'll have 5,700 weanling pigs that are 18 to 21 days old, maybe around seven pounds is what they like. We will grow all those weanlings for about 10 to 12 weeks. And when they get to a feeder size of uh, 60 to 70 pounds, then we will ship out the overload of around 3,200 pigs. Everything is hooked to the computer in the office and the computer in turn is hooked, it'll call my phone. So if in January the heaters quit, my phone's gonna be ringing. Next July, if the fans for cooling quit, my phone would be ringing. If a feed line runs empty for any reason, water, just anything that happens, it's gonna send an alarm off, which is good because we farm some ground with the in-laws. So if we're hot and heavy into planting corn and the well quits, I need to know so I can get here or send somebody to fix the water. So very, I guess, high tech, but almost a necessity because everybody's busy trying to do more and less time. And so I think this is just, it's fitting, I guess, for me and for our operation. And then finally, explain the name to us just a little bit here, Simon, for our 4K. What does that mean? The name for our barn is because we have four children. So it's for our four kids is why I put it up. I wanted to make sure the kids could always come back to the farm if the kids want to come back after college. Um, yeah, just another door that we kicked open for them. So It's Simon Wagner from 4R4K LLC as they open their doors to a new hog facility in central Nebraska. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Double-digit losses in soybeans today. Let's talk about that with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. So let's start there. What happened? Well, I think, you know, the export morts kind of set the table. They weren't bad for soybeans, but it certainly weren't good. Uh, and then the model runs came out midday that showed we're going to be looking at rain uh, I think the next week or so down in Argentina. So the fund money that had kind of pushed prices above $10 last week are now essentially taking it all out or maybe even going short here. And I think on the COT reports we see a week from now will be uh, showing a short beam position. So at this point, uh, you know, I, I have a hard time wanting to be too bullish uh, given the, the recent news. But I, I think you've got to just be very myopic with, or let not be my, myopic with this. And, and if you're focusing on this stuff every day, especially in the soybean markets, you know, you got to be looking at 1% to 2% moves, and that's what we've seen the last three days. At some point, this bloodletting will stop. You know, 960 had really been kind of a level that, uh, you know, front-month contracts had held into as far as November goes before it expired. And I look for that to be a, a pretty supportive level here. Well, corn was almost unchanged, finishing just fractionally lower. Now, the blenders of ethanol are seeing a bigger advantage right now because ethanol futures kind of are at the low end of the range, aren't they? Yeah, ethanol really is, is, you know, subsided here. Prices have really come off, and really widespread between gasoline and ethanol now. So you should notice that at the pump. 
uh, ethanol blends are going to be uh, cheapening things up. That should be good for demand. Um, this is kind of expected by some of the guys that I worked with on the ethanol side. They thought we'd get a big big corn crop, and you've got kind of a rush to uh, try to push folks to see who wants to use it. Uh, shorter term here, I think it's uh, you know maybe a little more to go. I think by the end of maybe this week, early next week, uh, this fund positions are going to be looking to button themselves up for the end of the year, and I think the folks have made a lot of money on the short side in the last quarter. I think that would be probably look, as, look like a good fade to see that come back, come out of the uh, market at this point. Hard red winter wheat country, southern plains continue to be dry in the short term. What are you finding out about extended forecasts? Well, nothing's changing. You know, guys, as far as, you know, north north Kansas all the way down to Panhandle, Texas are, uh, I say complaining, but I think they're, you know, cognizant of uh, of the wheat markets right now and how much uh, little pro- or how little precipitation there is out there. I think you're going to see a blend over to the livestock markets as well. Look for feeder cattle to maybe, you know, maybe soften up a little bit, and that could be a reason why. Folks are a little nervous to be buying too much product here and put it on that wheatgrass for the, for the winter. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. He's also publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. Go to danielsagmarketing.com or call John Direct, 866-825-8561.